Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to an exclusive episode of the Manchester is Red podcast. Football writer Dan O'Toole recently visited Hotel Football to speak to the former Class of 92 star Ben Thornley ahead of the release of his new book and also to speak about his time at the club, that horrific injury and life after United. He will also speak about the ones to watch in United's academy. So passing you on over to Dan, here it is. So Ben, what has this book served for you? Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, it, it wasn't anything that, I'll be honest with you, Dan, was uh, was on my radar. Um, and Dan, who, Dan Poole, who's, the, who's my co-author, he uh, he persuaded me to uh, to go with it because he thought that I had a very interesting story to tell. And I think, I, you know, I I can't thank him enough because uh, apart from anything else, it's been it's been uh, a, a worthwhile venture. But it's also been really therapeutic for me to. Uh, all right, nobody wants to to relive the the the, the things that I went through in in '94, but. In a way, it ha- it has actually helped, and and the the reception of it and the, it has been overwhelming, and the, the the contributions from the lads who who obviously I used to play with uh, has been something that I'll I'll never forget. They've given up the time and they've they've spoken about me and spoken about me in you know great terminology. I had a little bit of banter about it as well, but yeah, it's been a really worthwhile venture, and and you know probably helped me to you know exercise a few demons. So I imagine you're feeling you know happier, as happy as you've ever been. <laughs> Having reached this sort of yeah yeah because it, you know it it was a long road Dan um, it started in you know sort of the back end of September and to you know I think there was probably only about three days that Dan and I had decided that we couldn't find anybody to publish it I think it was I mean I realised that the, the the you know the name that I had in football was you know quite strong back then with when I'm talking about a group but in as the class of ninety two but individually um, it probably wasn't a, an appeal to some people um, and then Jane and Paul the, the the publishing team down in Sussex they took a chance on me when we were just about to pull the plug on it and uh, and I must admit the way that the way that Dan has, has approached it and, and the work that he's put in and the way that he's written it uh, both with the structure of the writing and the, the, the way that he's, he's not written it chronologically it all seems to work and, and I'm, I'm really pleased with it So take us back to the start of, of your journey then how did it feel to be part of that team to be, to re, to be receiving you know going praise off, off Nobby Styles as, as such a young lad yeah I mean it's uh, it, it just seems ridiculous that uh, that a player like 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 myself uh, for what I eventually achieved in the game um, was was once compared to somebody like him and and I, I, ju- I just think that back then we were such a, a talented group of lads that it almost seems unfair for for anybody to to sort of single me out as as being the you know the the, the, the pick of the bunch because uh, all those lads that I went into that dressing room with brought a different 
attribute a different character not just onto the field but off it as well and I think that was that was why we, we worked so well and, and we had the right people you know looking down on us we had Eric Harrison Nobby Styles, as you've already mentioned and obviously Sir Alex and he recognised or they recognised quite quickly what a talented group of players we were but also what a, what a, a down to earth bunch of guys we were and that the camaraderie that we had was something that we took from the dressing room onto the field and vice versa and it, it, you know we it, it just worked it really did and uh, it was a special time for, for us to be at Manchester United What was the overriding emotion as you were you know preparing for that game that potential game against Oldham at Wembley <laughs> so what, what were you thinking going into that week? Um, I wasn't thinking anything uh, I mean I did uh, there was obviously a little bit of a buzz when, when Sir Alex first dragged me into his office to uh, I say dragged he called me you know dragged is more used than phrase when... <laughs> so he called me into his office and um, and I, I I got the you know the the spiel from him about what may be happening on on Sunday and that he wanted me to to go out and and because we hadn't had a game the week before so he wanted me to to make sure that I had a little bit of match practice by going out on the Wednesday night and and playing in the reserves which I was expecting to do anyway um, uh, and maybe if he'd have said I don't want you to play in the reserves on Wednesday but I, I knew that that wasn't the right thing anyway if I hadn't had a game I, I, and I was going to have to appear at Wembley I, I knew what a excuse me what a tough surface it is and, and that I would have need something in, needed something in my legs so to go out and play against Blackburn was the right thing to do and from the moment I arrived at Gig Lane I never even thought about Sunday never thought about it uh, and maybe in the you know 65th minute or whatever it was I had a thought about Sunday then when I got the message from the sideline asking am I okay did I want to come off my answer would have been completely different I suppose you know that, that typifies someone who's really enjoying the football at the time I, I completely and utterly yeah I think if you'd have said to any anybody that was in my position at that time where you're, play, you're doing what you love doing you, you're enjoying what you love doing and you're enjoying it because you're doing it well um, and that particular night I was um, I was having a very good game and the thought of, of, of coming off never crossed my mind even when I was asked and that was because I wasn't looking too far ahead I was I was an 18-year-old kid at a club that I loved, wanting, you know, wanting to play football. Um, but who could have envisaged what was about to, what was about to unfold? And what's your lasting memory of what did unfold that tackle? Um, I just remember picking up the ball in the centre circle, uh, seeing out the corner of my eye Clayton Blackmore coming up the the left-hand side uh, with the, in the space that I'd vacated, and um, and the the the, um, the guy who tackled me, Nicky Marker, he came and followed me into that, which I thought was a bit of a strange decision but he came and, and followed me into that area and uh, and as I picked up the ball ran with it a few yards and then went to pass it to Clayton who I'd seen like I said coming up the outside um, he was uh, he came in with a tackle and and which I knew was very late and instantaneously knew that he'd uh, he'd done some damage with the with the noise that I heard and the pain that I felt despite that that damage in the book there's no real sense of resentment no uh, at what point you know did he start did not get over it but did did there any you know lingering sense of resentment leave you? Um, I, I, I yeah I do reiterate that because um, as much and I, but I will say um, even though there isn't any resentment or bitterness towards towards Nicky Marker um, I do hold him responsible uh, because he knew that he had um, he had a you know a, a law in the game to to uphold and, and the way that he carried himself and and he went beyond that as far as I'm concerned with the tackle that he committed um, but. Again, 
I I had to get myself into a positive frame of mind. There was no point in me in me dwelling on on what might have been or what could have been or you know anything like that. I needed to to get myself back playing, and there was no chance that I could do that with something with something hanging over me and, and eating me up from the inside and bitterness, resentment, jealousy, whatever you want to call it. That would have that would have done that to me. Uh, I was fortunate that I had the right people around me, both at the club and away from the club, to to help me through you know some of the darker moments that I, I obviously did go through uh, because when you when you're an 18 year old kid and you're facing the prospect of of you know well once facing the prospect of playing in a FA Cup semi-final to not knowing if you're going to play again at the blink of an eye then that you know that takes some doing to be able to to come through that and you wouldn't be able to do that on your own so I'm always going to be grateful to to being at Manchester United and for the people that helped me through it and obviously Sir Alex played a, you know a major role in you know, the trial that followed again the compensation all the rest of it how, how important has he been in, in your you know recovery from that moment uh, he, he, he was always um, a pivotal figure um, my surgeon Jonathan Noble when I interviewed him for the book um, he he said that he always remembered his conversations with Sir Alex and, and his fondness for me um, and how he described him as a concerned uncle <laughs> Um, so that for me was 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 um, was something that I've always remembered. That you know, I, I, he is extremely sorry that I was never able to fulfil what potential I showed in the early stages. But he did everything that he possibly could in the interim between the injury and me leaving the club to ensure that I had the best possible chance of of still having a career in the game. I suppose you were one of you know a, a reasonable number of people who did did get a knee injury at the club at that time. Was there a you know a sense of camaraderie and recovery together um, oh, there's always going to be camaraderie I mean I, I needed that Dan to be yeah. honest with you I, I needed people I, I didn't want people to be solemn around me I didn't want people to you know I, I didn't mind them being sympathetic from afar but I didn't want them you know coming in and, and, and being like that all the time I needed encouragement to get back and, and sometimes that encouragement comes by you know by giving you a few not home truths but but by not being you know taking this off softly approached by you know just by being normal and being and being the way that they were that was what that was how I remembered the lads and I wouldn't have wanted them to change the way their personalities were to be in front of me um, I, I always respected what they were going to go on and achieve um, and I knew that they would do and I don't think there was a, there was one sort of bone in my body that was that was jealous about what you know about what they went on to achieve um, despite what happened to me they were always going to go on and be fabulous players because of the skill that they had the work ethic they had and the, the manager that they had and when you've got a, a, a concoction of all those three mixed in then they were destined for success I'm sure a part of that non-jealousy is a product of the way your teammates and the people at the club kept you in their thoughts um, and even, even when you left the club you've got Steve Bruce you've got Lee McCarty you've got you know the lads at United in England helping out your brother there's always a sense of that United family isn't there Absolutely, yeah, and I think that that's what United has always been to me. Um, from from you know being at the the cliff on a Thursday night training with the with with Brian Kidd or with Archie Knox, or, and then actually arriving at the club with with Eric Harrison and Nobby, um, right the way through. I've always um, I've always had a, a really good relationship with both players and staff at Manchester United, no matter whether I was there or whether I wasn't. You know, I, I always made it my business to to to, to introduce myself 
myself to the likes of Steve McLaren, who, who I wasn't there and came afterwards. So there's always um, a, 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 an underlying thing for me that I love Manchester United, with, you know, with all my heart. They're a club that I, I, I grew up supporting. I played for them, albeit not as many times as I would have liked. Um, and and I'm, I'm still here now, and, and I think that is that is something that I'll always treasure. And by the time you, you know you've left the club, uh, you play elsewhere. Um, I'm, I'm sure you know it's really important for you to keep that. You don't want the fourth football club entirely. I'm sure it's really important for you to stay within the game. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I I I think people um, sort of tend to forget that I you know I still played at a, at a decent level. Um, I, I was never I was never destined after me injury to play in Manchester United's first team. Um, but I think there was a time when certainly in my, in my early days at Huddersfield when I always felt as though there was a chance by playing regular first team football that I could maintain a position at the top echelons of the, of the championship or even you know playing again in the Premier League albeit not uh, for you know ever for one of the top clubs but that failed that, you know that failed to materialise but I played for clubs like Huddersfield and Blackpool have both been in the Premier League um, I went up to Aberdeen when we, we qualified for Europe so I still played at um, you know a decent level for a decent amount of time but like I said not uh, you know not perhaps what the, you know the career that I'd hoped for uh, and and maybe not the career that I was destined for mm. and you know as well now you lived through difficult moments at a later stage in, in that career how did you find the inner strength to to overcome uh, times like those well just um, just my you know my, my close friends and my, and my family that, um, that that kept me on the right track really when they, they perhaps felt as though I might have been you know I might have been going down the wrong one uh, and there was no question there were times uh, especially um, when when I uh, when I I got divorced that uh, I was going I won't say off the rails but I, w- I was certainly doing the wrong things and and they, they weren't and none of them were were, were helping me in, in both my, my my mental state or my physical state uh, and I think that you know one of it was they did come a time when one of my close friends pointed out to me that it, you know he perhaps felt as though I was I was out drinking and I was out celebrating and and going on stag dues and stuff like that everybody is entitled to enjoy themselves but I think that somebody quite rightly pointed out that I was doing it to excess uh, and that if I didn't be careful that I would have a, a major problem and that really hit home to me that uh, I, I didn't deserve sorry I, when my family and my friends didn't deserve for me after the way that I'd conducted myself for so long being a professional sportsman etc and, and always having good family values uh, and a close-knit group of friends that I, I, I wanted to I wanted to destroy that uh, and that was much more important to me than going and having a drink so I just do it now in moderation um, I don't ever I, I rarely you know, go out drinking. I always tend to do it in the house if possible, and uh, and and it, 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 not that it ever got out of control. But I think there was a time, um, like I said, when I got divorced, that there was a there was a question mark as, as to whether it might. What's your greatest achievement? Um, well, my greatest achievement, I think, first and foremost, uh, was was winning the youth cup, uh, or certainly it, that is up there because that gave not just me but the rest of the lads the platform to go on. And, and you ask any of them. Um, 
um, they will always hold that in in real high regard because it was the first thing that, that we really won and got noticed for. But as a kid, when you're growing up and especially you know supporting whoever you're supporting, if you ever get a chance to to, to pull on a shirt and you 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 know you you're deemed good enough to be able to play for the team that you supported as a kid, um, and when you know they they um, I can't even remember 26th of February I think it was 1994 I uh, I made my debut at Upton Park and and running out in places Dennis Irwin in the second half um, is the highlight and playing for the a club that I'd loved um, and there I was actually representing them and, and and trying to to uh, to achieve something for them and and that for me is is always going to be my highlight that nothing can nobody can ever take away from me and in your current line of work now I suppose you see a lot of a lot of young players um, who, who's catching right at the moment is it a case of Mason Greenwood being the main man Mason has um, has, has really uh, has really excelled in the in the junior sides and uh, and I see a lot or have seen um, a lot of the under 23s this season as I did last season as well um, and Tahith Jong managed to get himself on the bench the other night uh, for, for the Juventus game although he didn't get on I mean I'd have chucked him on to be honest with you uh, he would have been an unknown quantity and and he, and like I was when I was 18 I you know I had no fear absolutely no fear and I think he would have been a perfect candidate to to go and make himself a hero the other night um but I I think that that those two along with maybe Angel Gomez um but the the future's bright at the moment for for the the lads coming through and Nicky Butts done a wonderful job with his coaching staff um and the under 18s and the under 23s are both doing really well this season and uh, and long may that continue what would your advice be to players like that then keep keep your feet on the ground keep your feet on the ground always listen to the to the people around you listen to your coaches um never there's never anybody short of giving you advice in football but it's up to you which piece of advice you take on board and you work with the most but you you can never go wrong with listening to people and especially people like you know for for you you know your mason greenwoods and your angel gomez tai chong's lads i've mentioned and others besides listen to to, to Nicky Butt because he's been there he's done it he knows what it, it, it takes to to achieve that sort of status and it's by listening it's by hard work with the skill thrown in uh, I suppose the, the challenges facing the likes of Nicky these days is you know the, the discipline side of football I know when you were playing with uh, under Eric Harrison it was very much you know a, a no messing sort of approach but now with, with the you know the characters that you get within young people these days I suppose you have to treat it you know a little bit differently yeah you do yeah yeah there's no question about it it's uh, it, 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 the, the game is changing all the time, and and you know you, there's a lot more money knocking about in the game these days. So it, 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 I'm not saying that it's a job because these lads have to take it upon themselves um, when they do get quite a lot of stuff. At, uh, uh, you know, in terms of you know things at a very very early age that they don't let that take over. That the main priority has got to be playing football. And as a coach or a manager, if you know that you've got somebody uh, or a group of players underneath you um, that you're trying to coach day in day out and they're not being affected by any of that then you're on a you're on to a winner and what's your assessment of what's going on at Old Trafford these days um, well I mean obviously we're a, we're a little bit away off in the league at the moment um, I think that the Champions League group stages is after our um, obviously 
even before our defeat on on uh, on Tuesday night to Juve. I think that by not beating Valencia at home, it was always going to go down to the last game in Spain, and I think that that is the way that it, it's going to work out now. Uh, if you think that uh, the way the games are going to go, then it's looking like that's going to be the crunch game with Juventus winning the group and, and either us or Valencia going through or dropping into the Europa League. Uh, in the league, we showed on Saturday at Chelsea and I was there and I, it was the best I've seen the lads play in the second half. I thought they were sensational and you forget that last year um, they, they came from two down at Palace. They came from two down at City who were the best team in the country and proved that by how, much, how many points they won the league by and they did it prior to the international break against Newcastle so they've got the characters they've got the skill levels to be able to perform at that level it's just being able to do it with consistency and they will be up there challenging but they've got to find that level of consistency because there's no doubt that they've got the players to achieve that How do you follow the United then? Because I know you're at the, the Champions League final in 1999 obviously did, did, was, was that something you did? Did you travel home and away? All no the I didn't I was um, the reason why I was at the Champions League final in 99 was because I was on holiday in Malta at the time and they have a huge uh, supporters club and they invited me and my girlfriend at the time along on a charter flight that they flew from Malta into Barcelona watched the game went to the party and came home but it, even if I am uh, I'm not working on match days especially for away match days because I work every home match day but uh, I, I am starting to do more away games I was working for MUTV on Saturday at Chelsea I'll be down at Bournemouth a week on Saturday but if I'm not and the games are easy for me to get to then I will go along as a supporter and very very often I've been in, in at Spurs at West Ham at Chelsea at Queen's Park Rangers wherever they've been in London um, I've, I've always uh, I've always gone along to watch as a supporter You're based down in Essex now? I am I'm based down in Essex yeah but I spend a lot of my time up here because my son's still up here my family are up here and, and obviously um, you know most of my job is based in and around Manchester so I do my best to get to as many away games as I can if I'm not working. And what was the feeling like when you were at the you know the post ninety nine party? Did you ever think, oh, this possibly should have been me? No, not at all. Um, not. At all. I mean, I, I think during the game when they first came out onto the pitch uh, and they were lining up, and I just thought, oh, you know, would there be, would there have ever been a chance? Uh, but you never know. I mean, even from nineteen ninety four when I did my injury, forget about that. I'm just thinking of the night of the injury. Had I not got injured, there can be a lot of things that can happen in those in those five years. But I. I, I I won't lie to you and say that you know there was a little bit of a, a tingle down my spine, not just with the music going on and the atmosphere, but with the fact that you know how lovely it would have been to have been part of that. But once that disappeared and the game went on, I was a fan like everybody else, and nobody was prouder than me at that after party when I could congratulate the likes of Ryan and Gary and David and 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 Scolzi and Nicky, even though I know Scolzi didn't play, he was a huge part of it um, as to you know what they achieved that season, which was monumental. So you say you've taken solace from writing this book. Do you think your recovery would have been any different had it occurred now in the current climate? Um, who knows? Who knows? I mean, like football. It, in all walks of life things evolve and none more so than in, in medical technology and, and science and whatever else so it's it's difficult to tell I mean the injury was you know was, was quite 
uh, did you know did um, did produce some quite substantial damage. So I'm not so sure how much different it would have been in terms of my rehabilitation, in terms of how it would have might, it might have been repaired. Um, but speaking to my surgeon, he said that because of the extent of the damage, that the the scar and whatever else would still probably have been there because of how much he needed to do when he got inside. So I don't know uh, is the honest answer, but um, I'd, I really wouldn't like to happen it's, <laughs> for it to happen again for me to find out. We hope you enjoyed this special episode of the Manchester is Red podcast. If you did, be sure to subscribe to us for free on Acast and you'll get all the latest Manchester is Red podcasts straight into your notifications.